Yes. That's why I've decided to let you pay your own way. Estimated annual living expenses. You ever apply for a loan before? $7,500. Mr. Watson, you don't pay your bills. Get out. Total for three years of law school. Wait a second, look at this. Full tuition for the most qualified applicant, most qualified black applicant. $53,979. Don't you think you're overreacting? No. Congratulations, Mr. Watson. Thank you, sir. I'll do my best. Some people need to learn to get into Harvard. It's going to be great. These are the 80s, man. It's the Cosby decade. For Mark Watson, all it took was a little soul. I'd like to meet my good friend, Kareem Abdul. I'll be. We got Washington here on a coin toss, so he'll take Leon. That's Watson. Right. Sorry, Marcus. Yeah, there may be a problem here. We'll make this a, uh, black, black hero. A black hero? You know, there's something really strange about you that I don't know what it is. Oh, God, is she beautiful? You gotta believe me. You must have learned a great deal more than you bothered for. Tell her why. Don't tell her you're white. What's going on? Can we blame him for the color of his skin? Mom, Dad, I'm black. Mom? What? No, you're crazy. Mark Watson. Come on now! From the producer of Risky Business, Soul Man. He didn't give up. He got down. Got out. You really hate the Beach Boys now. What is it that annoys you and others I've been I've spoken to about does anybody know the Soul Man? Am I getting into a can of You're listening to the Some Other Useless Podcast with Richard Wigand. You're the thousandth listener. Congratulations! You get nothing! Hello everybody, yes, I am Richard Wigand and welcome to the Some Other Useless Podcast. I opened the show with a trailer for a movie because in the last show I kind of teased what I was going to talk about. How it's a sensitive issue and it's still to this day a sensitive issue about racism in movies and donning blackface. And I know that I will never do something like that. You have your comedians out there 
that in the world that we live in now, you have to go back on what you did. You know, you, you, the decisions that you made years ago, you reflect back on today and go, I've evolved. And you have somebody like uh, Jimmy Fallon who did a Chris Rock impression on Saturday Night Live. And how that can't be deemed as just an impression. Where is the fine line of somebody who is making fun of somebody, like making fun of a race, a stereotype that is 100% racist, or a comedian doing an impression of a comedian that they love or worship or whatever. And it's just, you can't have some things. Jimmy Fallon actually getting into the makeup maybe was a little extreme, but that at that time, it was like, well, like, what could there not be anybody else in the cast that could do a Chris Rock impression? It was kind of like Jimmy Fallon's moment as that. So you have people that today will call out Jimmy Fallon. They'll call out Jimmy Kimmel. There's another Jimmy that's been in the news uh, last year and up until and part of this year, which is part of the reason why he had to kind of step down from his show a little bit uh, because he used to play a basketball player, Carl Malone. And he would make fun of him. And it would be Jimmy Kimmel dressed up as the black basketball player. And just doing an impression of him or whatever, but kind of making fun of how Carl Malone talks. But again, it's like appreciation. Do you appreciate the person that you are portraying? Or are you outright making fun of them? But I opened the show with a trailer for a movie. It is turning 35. I saw this the other day. And I remember this movie. And I remember, I remember even watching it, you know, right from the get-go, it's supposed to be kind of cringe. It is supposed to kind of stop you in your tracks and make you go, you can't do that. They can't do that. But they did it. You know, watching movies where people do things, you're not doing them, but you watching them, are you now somehow supporting what they do or you are, are against what they do? So, the cast of Soul Man and the producers, and everybody involved, haven't, you know, apologized for it. If anything, they they stick by it. Uh, it would be very interesting to, because I was reading up on it, and I think a lot of the things I was reading up on was quotes from back then. I'd be very interested in knowing exactly what they think of today. I have met C. Thomas Howe. Uh, my whole family did at a convention uh, about... 10 years ago. Uh, didn't approach him about, you know, <laughs> um, Soul Man. It was one of the very few things we had ever seen him in. Um, I think he later goes on to play like a racist cop on Southland. Or a very bad cop. I, I forget exactly what his character is. But they, they stick by what they did. And the premise of Soul Man, as you can tell from the trailer, he's white he wants to go to college. His parents won't pay for him to go. He has to rely on a scholarship. And the only scholarship that's available is for a black person. So his friend, played by Ari Gross, they concoct this idea that he's going to take these pills. And he is like, like what? Because uh, in the following clip that I showed or played was from the Dick Cavett show. And Spike Lee was explaining about that C. Thomas Howe takes these pills to make his skin that way. Okay, so there's several factors that they kind of tiptoe around of how they 
could get away with some things. Now, I don't want this show to kind of make it sound like I'm defending what they did because I'm actually kind of making a point at they have not gone back on what they did. They still kind of stand by it. The movie at the time had its protests, had the people from the NAACP speak out against it. Spike Lee spoke out against it. He was one of the front runners to really put the movie down. The movie's budget was like $4 million, and it was a commercial success. They made $35 million at the box office. This is in 1986. And, you know, the fellow actress in it, Ray Don Chong, she is proud of the movie. And she really thinks that it had something to do with Spike Lee, of how the movie kind of got on its this, this bad rep uh, reputation. I played the trailer for you guys without even watching it. So, I, I did that, of course, I mean, this is a podcast, so it's only going to be audio anyways. But it kind of makes you think in your mind, what would you see if you hadn't seen this before? Just listening to the dialogue by itself. It sounds like the most awkward thing you could ever sit there and watch. This is a quote from C. Thomas Howe. He says, A white man donning blackface is taboo. Conversation over. You can't win. But our intentions were pure. We wanted to make a funny movie that had a message about racism. And he later expands, I'm shocked at how truly harmless that movie is, and how the anti-racial message involved in it is so prevalent. This isn't a movie about blackface. This isn't a movie that should be considered irresponsible on any level. It's very funny. It made me much more aware of the issues we face on a day-to-day -day basis, and it made me much more sensitive to racism. It's an innocent movie. It's got innocent messages, and it's got some very, very deep messages. And I think the people that haven't seen it, that judge it, are horribly wrong. I think that's more offensive than anything. Judging something you haven't seen is the worst thing you can really do. In fact, Soul Man sort of represents that all the way through. I think it's a really innocent movie with a very powerful message, and it's an important part of my life. I'm proud of my performance, and I'm proud of the people that were in it. A lot of people ask me today, could that movie be made today? Robert Downey Jr. just did it in Tropic Thunder. The difference is that he was just playing a character in Tropic Thunder, and there was no magnifying glass on racism, which is prevalent in our country. I guess that's what makes people more uncomfortable about Soul Man, but I think it's an important movie. So that's from the star of the show. And he looks at a perspective. I mean, it's an acting job, okay? You go into an acting job, you play a character. He, he, he likes a script. A lot of times, the script changes from script to screen. So it'd be very interesting in what made it to the final cut. Because a lot of what made it to the final cut, people also kind of deem as offensive. And it is hard to defend. I remember several scenes that were just these odd stereotypes that they thought that he thinks that are pure and sends a positive message but then you have things that happen at the dinner scene that kind of you know i, I think uh, leslie nielsen's in the scene and he's looking over at c thomas Howe and he's visualizing him he's visualizing him as different stereotypes so when you have that 
they're doing offensive things, but they're doing it in a way, again, it's going to sound like I'm defending this, but my point is how this movie does not want to come out and say, we are sorry. Because for the reasons that they, because they had actors like James Earl Jones and Ray Don Chong, they had established people in the movie, and they I remember this, we had the Soul Man videotape. And at the end of it, uh, Lou Reed and uh, Sam Cooke, I think, sing Soul Man. And I think C. Thomas Howe sings it, dances with them or something. So when the movie is done in a, in, a, in a spirit like that, how can you do a movie in good spirits with a message like that? Because he's, he's looking at the perspective of he's white, he can't get in. He's trying. He, they're trying to make it as relatable as possible, and he just so happens that if he if he takes over the position of a black person, he thinks he could just be on this road to success. So the point of the movie is to show how there are missteps uh, for a black person in their life. You know, you're, you're never really going to fully know someone's life until you've lived it. So that, I think that's. Again, it stays true to this day where, you know, we, we, in the political climate that we live in, it, it is hard to say when, when people stand up for their rights. It's, it's sad that people still have to stand up for their rights because that means we, we haven't evolved enough to get people on the same wavelength. Not everybody, if you're promoting freedom in America and not everybody feels like they're free and protected, that's a problem. But when you have movies like this that slip through the cracks of you can say what you want, nowadays you can't do a movie like that. You say that, but there'll probably be some way of of someone doing it. Like the, the premise of Soul Man, he takes these pills. So he's not putting on makeup and he's not making his face black he's just taking these pills this 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 odd thing that they wrote into the script to explain why his skin would have this pigmentation so they felt like well, we can get away with that if we, if we do it like that but there's a lot of other things that kind of like uh like the ending tagline of the trailer is he didn't give up he got down so it, it depends on what offends you and if something offends you it why does it offend you so hard or why does it offend you so much? And, you know, growing up, my favorite shows, I, I, I never really listed them like, what's your favorite black shows that you watch on TV? I would list my favorite shows, and they just happen to be shows with black people on them. And I, I you know, I, ha I have my favorite black actors, but I don't break it up and who are my favorite black actors, who are my favorite white actors. I've never looked at it like that. You know? Denzel Washington is one of my favorite actors. Is it racist for me to say, to, to, to uh, point him out among the other ones, if I'm trying to make a point about who my favorite black people are? So there's a fine line of, of, of what, you know, you talk about race, but this movie was very interesting because they, they don't want to apologize for it, even though it, it, it did well. Can you, can you imagine that it did well at the box office? That shows, because usually, you know, when movies win Oscars or whatever, or get nominated for Oscars, the audiences that get that drive to those movies, or the, or the critics that really love those movies, your average person probably hasn't seen. 
maybe one or two of the ten that now get nominated. But the, all these other movies that are out there that your average people go to, everybody I'm talking about, is a hit or miss on whether they're successful or not. There are several movies in the 80s that are known as 80s and early 90s bombs, and they don't acclaim success until later. This movie succeeded at the box office, and then it went downhill. But it did have its problems. Like I said, it, it did have the protests outside, and it did have people speak out against it. But this movie was also screened at the Reagans. Ronald Reagan's house screened this movie. Why? His son's in it. His son had a part in it. So, times are different then. And you say you can't do a movie like that today. Tropic Thunder was a fine line because that movie was about movies in general that make movies based off these stereotypes and cliches and reasons why movies would get nominated. Robert Downey Jr. was playing a character who underwent surgery to make his skin that way. He, deep down, he was still an, an Australian actor. And several people of all color will defend that, will, will say that they're okay with Robert Downey Jr. in that light because of the way it was portrayed, because of the story, because of the message and everything. I think that that is what C. Thomas Howe is trying to put in a light. And even Ray Don Chong just thinks that this movie was just powerful. This is what Radon uh, Chong said about it. It was only controversial because Spike Lee made a thing of it. He'd never seen the movie, and he jumped all over it. He was just starting and pulling everything down in his wake. If you watch the movie, it's really making white people look stupid. The film is adorable, and it didn't deserve it. I always try to be an actor who was doing a part. It was a character versus what I call blacking. Or playing my race. Because I knew that I would fail because I was mixed. I was the black actor for sure. But I didn't lead with my epidermis. And that offended people like Spike Lee. I think. You're either militant or you're not. And he decided to just attack. I have never forgiven him for that because it really hurt me. I didn't realize at the time that not pushing the Afrocentric agenda was going to bite me. When you start to do well, people start to say, you're an Uncle Tom because you're acceptable. So again, she was looking at it in a different kind of angle that made her stand out in this kind of world that the Soul Man movie tried to be. And Soul Man is directed by a guy who's known as the producers of uh, Friday the 13th and um, one of the Halloween movies. Several of the Friday the 13th movies. Steve Miner. And it was written by a woman named Carol Black, who is the creator of The Wonder Years, which I have mentioned in a previous show, has now been remade with the all-black cast. Because the world we live in now seems to want to correct all the wrongs that were done in the past. All those times where people said, 
you can't do that, you can't say that. Now it is, we're not going to say it, we don't need to say it. And one of the producers of the movie, his take on it, he compared the movie to the plot of Tootsie, where he was saying that it used comedy as a device to expose sexual stereotyping. And he thinks that Soul Man used it to explode racial stereotyping. Because Tootsie was Dustin Hoffman dressing up as a woman to advance his career. And it just... And, and now we live in a world where we, we don't want stuff like that. We don't want men playing parts as women and, and transgender actors and actresses have to play these parts. And it always kind of was, do you want somebody like... It, it's very technical. And it all is very controversial at getting somebody to play a part of a gay person playing a gay character. Scarlett Johansson, we talk about her a lot on the show, don't we? Thinks that she can play anything. She was once in a movie where she played a character that actually was supposed to be an Asian part. and Because there was something in the industry called whitewashing. And it's like, because studios think that audiences will flock to these movies if their favorite white people are in them. And they're just now getting around the block saying, we don't need that. We can make movies for everybody. We can make movies that feature and have leading actors that are of every color and every diversity. So, if you think about if Soul Man was done today, which it can't be, but you'd like to think that somebody would try to make it. But I think that they've stuck to their guns enough to make this last as long as it has. I mean, we talk about that phrase that I don't like, cancel culture. This movie hasn't left anywhere. You could still buy it digitally at places. It hasn't been removed. You know, there are shows that have been removed from 30 Rock and uh, Office, I think. I just recently saw an article a few months ago where they're no longer going to play the... Um, diversity training office episode. Comedy Central's not, I think. So they, 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 they choose, they pick and choose what they want to, you know, take down and stuff, and 30 Rock battled a lot of things. And, you know, at the time you say, I can't believe they got away with it. I can't believe they got away with it. And, you know, years later, they go, we got to stop that. You know, they're not going to get away with it anymore. But enough money has exchanged hands it doesn't really matter. You know, you have your DVD releases, you have your streaming releases. Enough people have made money for this to go, oh, we're not going to uh, allow people to make money on it anymore. Oh, okay. You know, nobody gets royalty checks. Nobody gets any of this stuff that's made on these things. Oh, okay. Depending on what the show is, people will go, yeah, I don't want to make money on that. So this, and then before I saw that this movie had turned 35, I, I had seen this make a round of video clips of being one of the most offensive movies ever. And there are different movies out there also. It's not just white actors playing black parts or playing black characters. They did that to Asian people as well. And because one that sticks out to a lot of people when you look up most offensive moments in, t in TV shows or movies. One thing that pops out for sure is Mickey Rooney. Playing Asian in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Most racist thing you could ever see. 
how they get away with it because it was, it was depicted as oh it's funny it's 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 playing he's playing a character he's he's playing the stereotype you know one of my favorite shows is Reno Nine One One and that show for one thing that show had a lot going for it of how controversial they can get right from the get go because we talked about it in the show of imagery that you wouldn't want to see of firemen being in harm's way or making fun of cops. And it wasn't too uh, long after September 11th, Reno 911 comes on the air. And that's all they did was make fun of cops because it was it was making fun of the, the TV show cops. And they had played around with comedy of enough uh, stereotypes of races and different things. It's like, how can they get away with that? And the only way, the only way they can get away with that is satire. If you're doing something deliberately to make the strongest point possible in a humorous way. The exact definition of a satire. But if it, if it pushes the limits too much to the point where it makes you feel uncomfortable, why is it making you feel uncomfortable? And how hard is the intention? Because there are black actors and actresses who pop up on Reno 911. Now, is it is it racist to me always for me to always think? Are they comfortable doing that? Because I could be I could be really wrong. I could be like they're the kind of person to be okay with that. I always kind of think of that when I'm watching King Queens, with uh, the actor that plays Deacon Victor Williams. I'm thinking a lot of stuff they do in that show or any show where they have those kind of counterparts. How do the writers present? I'm, th I'm thinking from the perspective of if I'm writing a character. First of all, if I'm writing a character, I'm not writing it for a particular race. I'm writing it as a, as a person. Whoever, whoever would come in and audition would get the part right then and there. Or if I happen to meet somebody that I really like, whoever they are, and they want to be in my movie, I write the part for them. But I, I'm trying to think, you know, if I had to write for these, these particular people in particular races, if I had to, you know, once you have actors that come in and you're writing for them every week, you're kind of writing their voice. How are you writing? Are you writing it as them? Or you? Uh, how are you going about making certain jokes? Because there would be several points on King and Queens where they would always point out, you know, the differences of it being white and black. And you, you don't necessarily have to have that on that type of show. But they did. So I always felt like if I ever met Victor Williams, the, the question I'd want to ask him is, do the writers approach you with that stuff? Do they, Or is it stuff where you just go, hey, this is a job? And I show up, and they, they write these jokes, and I, I don't like what they say, but I still do it because it's a job, and I'm still getting paid. I mean, I'm very curious to know how, how that gets worked into it, because I wouldn't want to write a joke, like if, especially if I'm writing a King Queens episode, and I'm making fun of the fact that... Because it, it always made... You know, King Queens always made uh, Kevin James look stupid, so, or, or, or not as smart in some scenes. So if you could play it like that, that's how you could get away with a, some of the things that he says. Because then you have the Victor Williams counterpart on the show to say that's wrong. You don't have to have something where Kevin James' character can just say it and then just leave it there. And then kind of leave for the audience to kind of be uncomfortable. And I think that's what kind of Soul Man had characters in it. Because I think at one point he does... 
you know, he doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to be found out that he's white. You know, there, there's, there's several different parts to it that he does realize that what he's doing is wrong. So it, it's hard to kind of explain this kind of a movie. And, you know, would you watch again with your whole family? Could you really enjoy everything that you see knowing the kind of world that we live in now? But it, you know, we, we, it, it's very, it's all very technical and it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to defend some things in it, you know, just the kind of person that I am makes me feel uncomfortable, you know, that and I know that I can't do something like that, or I know that if I did something like that, which I wouldn't, but if I did, I would get completely taken down for it. You know, they, they use the word canceled a lot. And they even reference that this movie got canceled immediately, but it did well at the box office. You know, it, it, it made its money. But there is no Soul Man 2. You know, great for that. They didn't make that mistake. But I just thought that was an interesting story to talk about. How it, I, I've never, usually when I read things like this, you read that the people involved in it, you know... <laughs> want to go back on what they did. And I think that I wouldn't want to make something, a movie, or write a part, where the people involved in it didn't enjoy it, or found some parts to be disturbing, or um, offensive. So then you have your actors that kind of go back on the stuff that they did, and go, oh yeah, like Jimmy Fallon apologizing for being Chris Rock. Which is kind of like maybe he was forced to apologize, and then but Chris Rock, I think, could be accepting because he's friends with Jimmy, and he could know that Jimmy didn't. Jimmy's not racist, and and it's very odd that you know Jimmy Fallon has to get on camera. Yeah, you know, I, I refreshed myself and I watched the clip the other day, uh, because I I was trying to find something I couldn't find the exact clip of him actually talking about it, with Chris Rock, probably is out there somewhere, but all I could find was his apology by himself. And he has to come out and say that he's not racist. And it just leaves everybody at the back of their head. You know, you're forced to do this apology. You know, you're forced to do this. You're forced to make clarifications. Did you really want to? Yes, we believe you're racist. And you have some people like, no, I, I don't believe that. I believe you are racist. It's just, a, it's just a very odd kind of thing. It's kind of like what I was saying about the news, where the newscasters actually have to say, we are real news. You know, there are a lot of people out there spreading fake news, but we are the real ones. You kind of have to clarify who you are. And I just think that it was sad that Jimmy Fallon had to do that. At the same time, he felt like he, he felt like he had to do it because otherwise he was going to go down. And then Jimmy Kimmel just kept getting a whole bunch of things coming to light. Several things were making the circuit and he just decided to stop doing shows for several weeks. And he just probably couldn't. He just I'm just going to take time with my family. And because he was in the news. But not just the Carl Malone thing. Which he eventually did have an interview with Carl Malone. Um, and I have one of the DVDs. And I, I remember that skit. And it's, it's an awkward thing. To watch. None of this stuff that they. That, they, that gets past the airwaves. That is deemed racist. I find funny or I find um, like I could do it you know like I would want to do it I wouldn't want to do it 
but it just is it's it's an odd thing when you have like Reno 911 what are you laughing at are you laughing at the fact that you that you're being told that it's okay to laugh at things because they have so many idiots and different people on that show to play those kind of parts to have that kind of view of you know like they always say the n-word on the show and you don't need to always say it but then they always would because in life which is uncensored there is no filter to a lot of these people and you can be surprised by the people that are out there that you don't think racism is out there i see it all the time on my facebook and it's 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 very it, it's very eye-opening of the kind of thoughts of people it, it it takes you back a little bit so soul man is like a movie that we don't know how it got made but when it got made it did well people still were railing on it spike lee wanted to make sure nobody really heard of it ever again but the people behind it stick by it it's like what is that so you can you can have that kind of people that believed so much in their project and it just got it it got completely blown out of proportion but it is a hard movie to go back and watch you know just watching the trailer i could if you could watch like i played the audio if you get it from that that tells you something and if you definitely get from actually watching the trailer and if there's any part of you that feels uncomfortable you gotta decide why does it make you feel uncomfortable is it making you feel uncomfortable because you know that if you did that you would be called out on it or you know that that is flat out wrong they cannot do that they're making fun of black people they're making fun of this they're making fun of culture they're making fun of all this stuff but then you have like black actors and actresses involved with it so it's, it's all very technical and race is a very hard thing to discuss and i've never talked about it but every each and every day uh, you want to learn more and more about the projects and films that are out there decide what seems you know interesting and appealing and you know the way that, that a lot of your shows are going these days they want to completely reboot or remake things with an, a diverse cast and it depends and and some as sad as it is and i'll say white people because it has to be somebody white people think a lot of these other movies are being racist by only casting diverse cast i remember when the picture for star wars came out all around the room i think there's only one white person in the show and fans had to get on there and make a big thing about it and i guess that they're also making this big thing about the eternals i haven't really fully read up what that's about but now these movies that are coming out are being written in a different light like like they all have to watch what they say they all have to watch what they do and, and how they present themselves because you just can't present you know if you talk about voluptuous women you have to how you, how are you going to depict them so there's, there's very a variety of different things out there besides races that you know are used and utilized in movies you have an all women cast you have you don't hear too much about them re remaking a movie that had an all women cast and making it all with men well unless you now count ghostbusters which 
started off with two movies all played by men, and then you later have the reboot. I guess that would count as a. I guess that would count as a remake because, like I said, it's very hard to decide which one is which. Because the remake has all women, but it it it's supposed to like I think the reason why that it didn't do so well is because it's supposed to kind of make it look like that. I forget. I haven't seen it. So I haven't, I, ha I don't understand, I know that a lot of them are in it, and there's a bust of Harold Ramis, I know that, but I'm trying to remember, I think that the Ghostbusters don't exist in that universe, or they do, there's something that fans didn't like, either they pretend the Ghostbusters didn't exist, or they do exist, but for some reason, they're these characters. I forget what it is. I really do. But you have different kinds of movies that come out, and they all come out with a message. You know, what's that message going to be like? Or, you know, they got a new movie with The Rock, Black Adam. You know, honestly, movies like that should have been, been made years ago. You know, I, I wanted to talk about something that I... I think I later cut out of one of my shows. It didn't really have anything to do with what I was talking about, but I but I really liked what I was saying, but I still had to cut it out. But it was about Marlon Wayans. I wanted to talk about Marlon Wayans. He was supposed to be in Batman Forever. Right? I think that, that one comes before Batman and Robin. Um, and he's supposed to play Robin. And he did get the part. At the last minute, he did. They they switched it. Joel Schumacher comes in. He and they switches it. But now, to this day, Marlon Wayans still gets royalties from that movie. But just imagine, had Marlon Wayans become Robin, that was a unique choice back then that nobody ever said boo about and make a big thing about it. It, it would have been the seamless thing that it, it it would have been part of the pop culture that you would have had to reflect back on. Another great fact about Batman movies, Batman, the first one, with Jack Nicholson. He's with Billy D. Williams, and Billy D. Williams is playing Harvey Dent. And they, at one time, wanted to go into another movie where Billy D. Williams would be Two-Face in a movie. So you would have had your parts back then, like in the early 90s, mid-90s, that would have created this... I want to say alternate universe, but it would, it would have become way before the Marvel universe came into play. It would have just—it would have been this thing that nobody would have thought about, you know. It just—you it, it, can make a big thing about it, but you wouldn't have so many people saying, "No, Billy D. Williams can't be Two Face." You didn't have too many other characters. You've had enough people play Batman, okay? You've had enough people play James Bond for them to go through and say, now who can we give this to? You know, should there ever be a black Batman? Black Batman, white Robin. Is it racist to think like that? Or is it racist to not do a movie like that? It's very, it, it goes back and forth. The day of the week will change, and they, they the, at the flip of a switch, 
they try to decide what direction to go in. But another really cool fact is that it's really cool research when fans really get into things because Billy Dee Williams got to come back as Two-Face but as a little Lego person in the Lego Batman movie. I think it's, I think he's in the Lego movie, not Lego Batman. I think he's in the Lego movie, but still, it's, it's really cool. You know, they, they, they did the research to, to know that at one time he was supposed to have that part. It would have been, it would have been so interesting to have a character like that. You know, because then later, years later, you'd have Aaron Eckhart come in and play Two-Face, and you go, is he as good as Billy Dee Williams? You had that different kind of comparison to play around with different kinds of characters. Maybe maybe because Billy Dee Williams would have played Two-Face back then, maybe you wouldn't have had a Two-Face in the Christopher Nolan movies. A lot of times these decisions are made based off previous decisions, you know, but the Joker was a popular character to do again. Scarecrow had never been done before in a live-action movie. Bane had a previous kind of uh, alternate version, but Christopher Nolan's take on Bane kind of stretches the limit of how you can play around with different kinds of characters. So it just, it's all around controversial, technical. These days, people are offended by anything. These days, people can be offended by not being offended. I mean, if you if you go into a movie going, I, I expected more out of it, you know. I remember, <laughs> this is so, this, this has nothing to do with anything. But it, it, it goes with what I was just saying about people not being offended enough. I remember, I was at a, years ago in a movie theater. I forget what movie we were seeing. This would have been, would have been the 2000, had have been 2000 something. I was standing there waiting for my, um, mom and sister and I see all these people come out of the theater and it's American Wedding was the movie at the time and it was like a little young boy like a young kid younger than me coming out of seeing American Wedding which is one of the American Pie movies you know and he's walking out and he's like he's complaining that the movie wasn't funny enough I was like oh. that's a funny moment it just plays the idea of what people are offended by and why they want to be offended by some things. Um, you know, to this day, I, I know what's offensive. I know what can kind of stretch the line. I know if I, if, I, if I see something that I can't repeat to somebody else, what you just see, and you got to be careful who you talk to, you know, and, and, it, and things could be opened up to different kinds of things. Religious people watching movies. Based off, you know, the the petition that I was talking about, that had nothing to do with religion. That person was just offended by the imagery. So people will, can get offended by a lot of different things that they see in TVs and movies. But I was just really struck by the idea that the soul man just sticks by to what they did. I'd be very curious to know if that's still what they think. So they're, they're kind of like celebrating the 35th anniversary of Soul Man, but they're just kind of saying it's not, it hasn't aged very well, but you can still be, you can still get it at places, you know? Nobody's taking it down. I don't really hear a lot of places streaming it, but you can buy it. So somewhere, somewhere, they're making money on it still. So it hasn't been officially removed, hasn't been officially banned, 
like some Disney movies. Even Disney now. Once Disney's opened up their vault, now they have to go through their library and go, maybe there's some things, you know, people are going to have access to Disney+. Plus. People are going to have access to things that we do in Disney. That's, that's opened a lot of, you know, a lot of different problems because everybody looks at different kinds of movies. That, that, that's a whole different thing to talk about another day. But, um, but because of Disney+, Plus, they have to point out certain things. Like there is a movie, oh, what's it called? It's that one racist movie. It's, ra it's extremely racist. It's something in the South. Oh, I forget what it is. But it's not on there. So, they, so Disney Plus has made sure that it's not on there. I forget what it is. It's something in the South. Okay, the movie's called Song of the South. I cheated and I looked at Google. I had to look it up. But that movie, you cannot get it on Disney Plus. And they've, they've made sure of it. So, and then, like I said, they, they your other networks, if somebody catches something, like Seinfeld has an episode called The Puerto Rican Day, and, and it's rarely played, but that episode got spotlight on it before the show was even going to air. It got flack. That goes to what C. Thomas Howe is saying about not seeing something and criticizing it. So you just don't know what light, what intention... Intention is the key word. So if you have enough people come forward and say, we're proud of Soul Man. You know, C. Thomas Howe is really proud of what he did. He can always, he can always speak of that from his experience of being on that set and what he thought was, was going to happen. Then the movie gets put together. The movie goes to theaters. The protests happen. Spike Lee rails into the ground. And he hasn't even seen it. Who, who's to think that he... He still hasn't seen it to this day. But I just thought it was something to uh, point out and discuss today. So that'll be it on that. Uh, I thank you for listening thus far. Thank you for subscribing if you've done that. Uh, you can subscribe if you already haven't on Apple, Google, Anchor.fm, Spotify, and Breaker. And, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, hopefully next time, see you later. Bye, everybody. You just listened to the Some Other Useless Podcast with Richard Wigand. Are you proud of yourself yet? <laughs>